Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, and I'm delighted to be your host for this podcast series. I'm the principal consultant at MetaMeta Consulting. We help organizations tell their data story by reinforcing the strategic value of proper data management. In this podcast, I'll be speaking with Simon Elliston Ball, Director of Product Management, Streaming Analytics, and CyberML at Cloudera. Today, we're going to be discussing data in overdrive. Simon will be lending his expertise to explore why real-time streaming has become so important, as well as explore the associated challenges of keeping pace. Well, welcome, Simon. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to be here. Thanks very much. You know, for many businesses, digital transformation is high on the agenda, perhaps more so since this pandemic hit. So what role does real-time data streaming play in encouraging digitally driven innovation? And what new opportunities does it offer? I think there are several, really, that come up in terms of the opportunities. But I think a lot of it and a lot of the best digital transformation is driven by customer demand. So customers are getting much more demanding. They're expecting immediate results, and that's where the real-time streaming element comes in. You can't just wait for a batch process to tell you how your business needs to run and to adjust to an individual customer's behavior anymore. It needs to be done in real-time and meet the expectations, which have come out of things like increased mobile use. And, of course, those kind of new usage patterns have only increased in the last few months and, in fact, well, more so than the last few years, as people become more mobile, or at least more home-focused, more telecommuting-centric, and uh, yeah, more internet-centric as well. So this has brought around a whole step change, really, in the kind of level of expectations that people have for immediate and accurate results. Definitely with what's happening now, people are expecting, and as you said, being more mobile or working at home or in just looking for a better customer interaction, customer experience. You know, to kind of level set for folks, what exactly do you mean when you say real-time streaming? Certainly that versus kind of more traditional methods. Well, it's an interesting question. And real-time means different things to a lot of different organizations. Sure. (laughs) I've heard people say, uh, we absolutely have to have real-time everything. And yeah, that can vary from anything from do I want real-time in my car? You know, I press the brake pedal, the brakes happen right now, or do I want real-time? Uh, I've even heard people say, actually, you know, as long as it's done within 15 minutes, that's real-time enough. The reality of it, I think, to drive a lot of these customer expectation-driven use cases and a lot of the things like immediate responsive use cases that you need for manufacturing or IoT-type use cases or even healthcare-type use cases, of course, another big area of growth now, you need response in under a second often. So when I'm talking about real-time analytics, I'm usually talking about things which may not be the kind of nanoseconds you need to run an actual control process in something like a car, but more the kind of deeper analytics that you're able to do in milliseconds to low numbers of seconds. So that's the kind of thing that uh, really a lot of the new and uh, what we call the third-generation streaming analytics platforms start to offer. But of course, it depends on your business requirements. Often, yeah, you can use the same kind of real-time streaming setups to do things which will run into seconds even. Yeah, that long, huh? Yeah, you definitely don't want any kind of delay when you're pushing on your car brakes. So that's real-time. Sounds like it depends on the context to a great degree. But 
somewhat immediate, I would think. Can you share some examples of different industries and how they use this real-time streaming? Absolutely. So one of the really, I think, very topical examples we have these days is uh, things like medical devising and alerting on medical devices. So I think one of the coolest use cases we've seen of real-time stream processing is the monitoring and collection of device data from intensive care wards and the immediate alerting of nurses, which enable a much more efficient approach to healthcare. So rather than having to do the rounds as some hospital staff used to, they would go and essentially walk around the ward, check the vitals of a patient, and then yeah, come back 15 minutes later and do it again. What they have now with real-time streaming analytics platforms and good edge collection devices is the ability to be immediately alerted of any anomaly in that. So yeah, that gets to them in the seconds that they might need to get a better health outcome than it would in the uh, 10, 15 minutes that it would take before the next round of award and that uh, normally being noticed on the machines. So that I think is very powerful and very immediate use case, but it's certainly very close to my heart and if you'll pardon the pun, many other people's. Again, kind of changing the nature of the interaction by being more, not predictive, but just focusing on things that need attention rather than, as you said, literally making the rounds to see if everybody's okay. I can see applications in all kinds of businesses for that. Exactly. It's getting that data fast enough. And the same thing applies to things like predictive maintenance use cases in uh, industry and manufacturing as well. If you can find the fault faster, you can usually fix it more easily. Again, that same paradigm goes across things like cybersecurity. The faster you can find a breach, the quicker you can solve it. And uh, yeah, we've seen some people who have found attacks which have gone from an initial attack, just opening up a uh, VPN connection or something like that, or compromising a password, to yeah, full and much more serious and much harder to remove compromises like uh, yeah, backdoor installation and uh, advanced attacks and things like that. The uh, time between those events is now measured in tens of seconds. So being able to get that data faster and react to it faster and find the anomaly faster really does make your recovery costs a lot less, as well as, of course, reducing the risk of yeah, anything bad happening in the first place. Sure. So you mentioned the edge. How does real-time streaming relate to the edge? Well, it's an interesting challenge, of course. Uh, one of the things we talked about at the beginning was this uh, real, real-time and the need to respond very, very fast to uh, something like a, a breaking event or, uh, in other cases, other sort of anomalies that can only really be detected effectively at the edge. So if you imagine a scenario where you have something like a manufacturing plant or you have a network of manufacturing plants and warehouses, those don't always have the best of internet connections or the best of environments. And again, you could extend the same thing to something like a connected car type use case where you don't always have the luxury of uh, ultra low latency, super fast networking to yeah, some giant data center or to uh, yeah, some kind of cloud data center somewhere. Yeah, that's when you need to start to be able to make those decisions much more immediately. And that's where things like intelligent edge computing really come into their own. The uh, more interesting analytics, though, tend to require more than just the information available to one small edge. So that's where you kind of move from the edge to the core data centers and use the more heavyweight analytics platforms to be able to do that kind of you know, real-time analytics. Of course, the other side of that is uh, you know, once you've found insights from across, say, your entire fleet of trucks, for instance, 
you can also push those back down to the edge and start to use things like lightweight machine learning at the edge, complemented by the uh, more thoughtful, shall we say, more informed machine learning that's possible from large amounts of data collected in the core in a real-time stream. Oh, that makes sense. It's definitely fascinating how all of these things are starting to come together. So how do businesses go about facilitating these new opportunities in real-time streaming? I mean, what kind of data structure do they need? So to be honest, I think it really comes from having a better understanding of what your business goals are there. We mentioned earlier that there's a big choice to be made between where you do your compute. Do you do it at the edge or do you do it in a big central data center? And those have essentially direct implications on how much data you can process versus how fast you can get a result to your end user. So if you're looking at something which is very much about the immediacy of serving your customers, then yeah, that will often require a lightweight data transport mechanism. Yeah, there'll be smaller messages, there's less context available to you. Although, of course, one of the beauties of some of the newer platforms is you can start to centralize some of that and take those individual messages and respond in a much more real-time fashion. If you look at the sort of structures that were used in, say, the second generation of streaming platforms, they were often a little bit kind of batchy in a way. They worked a bit like the older style batch analytics that were more familiar to BI analysts, but they were just batch repeated very, very quickly in a row. With a true streaming platform, you have to think more in terms of the individual messages and the direct response. So it's more like a kind of function call type approach for an old-style programmer than something like the sort of batch processes that BI teams might be more familiar with. There are obviously a wide number of formats available for data as well. And yeah, the key there is managing and governing those formats and making sure that you have consistency across that. Because as with all data problems, the data quality is absolutely crucial to being able to get a good result out of the upper end. You bring about, even though a lot of this technology is new and exciting and transformational for a lot of organizations, it still brings to the fore the classic data governance, data management challenge that a lot of companies have. Absolutely. And a lot of the problems that we see people struggling with, a lot of the things which end up taking operators a long time is when they have badly constructed pipelines or they have badly constructed programs which are not used to dealing with dirty data. They get a single poison message which runs outside the uh, domain or the, the range of their algorithms and suddenly everything falls apart. So it's important to have that governance in place to both prevent and to be able to catch those kind of things when you get the unknown unknown scenarios. So when you start to transition from this traditional data practice to real-time streaming, I know it's quite a shift. So how do you begin to advise businesses to make that move? It absolutely is. And there's a lot of shift in the way that you think about it. As we mentioned, some of those structures differ. And also, obviously, some of the algorithms tend to differ. What is possible and what is practical become different type of set of concerns from a traditional batch process. So you have to think a little bit about that. But the key to really succeeding is to make sure that you have very firm, well-defined business goals and to keep those simple. So don't try and start out with the epic rewrite the world, build everything and turn everything magically into a streaming system. You've got to keep hold of the value that you already have, right? And also put this in the context of your existing batch analytics as well, because yeah, it's uh, it is a bit of a mind shift for a lot of the analysts working in this kind of area. 
and you want to be able to make sure that the skills that you already have are put to best use in this new world as well. So I certainly wouldn't recommend the rip and replace that some people tend to go for. I've seen those kind of projects tried, and yeah, there's this brave new world of we're going to move everything to streaming, and that is often far too much of an ocean to boil. So the real key is to identify a good solid business goal, one that's going to have customer impact, ideally, and simplify that. Go for something where you're going to be able to get a real value out of the increased speed and start simple. You know, in your experience, can you just share a couple of anecdotes where you've seen it gone well? And then maybe some, you know, everybody likes to hear horror stories, maybe one where it just was a disaster. (laughs) Well, no names. We just, uh, yeah, and all, all names will be changed to protect the uh, the very guilty and the innocent in some cases. Yeah, where things have gone really well is where people have started to build up these resources over time. So they have identified something which provides them with that quick win. And a good example of that would be, let's go with one close to my heart, the cybersecurity side of things, where they've started to bring in simple sets of data sources. Yeah, they haven't tried to do the several thousand sources that they had. They started out with a few simple ones and got some direct value out of that, approached some use cases which yeah, were not hugely complex, but were heavily dependent on scalability and speed and time to detection. That's a use case I've seen flourish very well. And again, it's focusing on that simple start, but then building up more and more complex algorithms, more and more complex methods, and adding incrementally to the data sources that they were bringing in over time. Similarly, I've seen other projects work very well with streaming data, where they've uh, yeah, started with one or two little side projects almost, or yeah, a little bit more than a POC, but enough to be valuable mm-hmm. to the business but not things that are massively complex or involve huge numbers of external components or complex machine learning or brand new algorithms or PhD research or anything like that. They have then gone on to build all of those kind of things on top of that and to open that up then and provide things like streaming sources of data as opposed to just data mart sources of data to their whole organizations. And the more and more people have come onto that platform the more and more that platform has been successful and the more they start to have some of the fun challenges you have around needing more of it. And you did uh, say that uh, you're interested in one that went horribly disastrously wrong. And here I'm just going to... Sure, we love that, you know, love looking at those car crashes sort of uh, metaphorically. Absolutely. So again, you know, I, I won't reveal who is responsible for this, but yeah, they, uh, sometimes you get a, an overbold vision around being able to replace all of your data infrastructure with a streaming database or trying to think of streaming as being a database which will replace your enterprise warehouse and all of your existing assets and do all of your reporting and handle every piece of data coming out of your mainframe and provide a radical a retransformation of everything about your uh, your bank, for example, in this instance, into a streaming approach. Now, that is certainly a very good goal to get towards and something which is possible in the longer term. But starting out with a, a critical core functions 
with a team that doesn't have the experience in streaming, but may be an excellent analytics or an excellent programming team, is probably too much to take on in one go. And I have seen projects like that stumble a little and try and scale up too fast. It's good to have that ambition, I think, but also good to be aware of the scale of what you're taking on while you're learning as well. Sure, they've got these great visionary ideas, you know, build this utopia of interoperability, gets everybody on the business side all excited, but you can't do all that at once. And it sounds like a lot of the advice you have is similar to a lot of folks around just you got to start small, somewhat controlled, don't try and change everything while it's all moving, be thoughtful, be aggressive, but you got to keep the scope in mind, I'm sure, is a big challenge with some of these folks. And of course, like any data project, you need to make sure that you have a strong business goal, a strong hypothesis to support what you're working on as well. Sure. How does this really affect and align to the strategic intentions of that enterprise, whether it's growth or improvement or security, as you mentioned, it's got to be tied to some sort of business outcome that, at least in my experience, that the company may already be focused on. How has this become an enabler for some of those big strategic objectives? And, you know, to that point, when you look at some of these companies just trying to dip their toe into it, how do you know, from your perspective, having spoken to so many of them, how do you know they're ready? It's a very interesting question, Matt. I mean, there's a lot of this being driven by the technology side as well, of course. And yeah, there are people coming, yeah, vendors in particular, coming to pretty much every organization of the right sort of size for this and saying, yeah, you will be able to transform everything into real time and real time is the future, which to an extent it is. But what you need to do is then figure out what supporting systems around that are ready. If I give you a real-time result, if I can start giving you insight and recommended actions that your business should follow based on this analytics, are they going to be able to follow through? Do you have the processes in to actually act on the result of the analytics? And that, I think, is really the key way of understanding if the business itself is ready. In terms of understanding whether the technology teams are ready, then that's a, yeah, that's obviously a slightly more detailed side of it. But things like, do you know where all your data is coming from? Do you have governance practices in place is always important for any starting data project. But for a real-time streaming project, it's also about knowing that you can get data in stream form. Many people will have data sources which say they can only get for once a day from an FTP server or something. That, that's still a thing. Those teams may not be ready to take advantage of some of the streaming capabilities, but a number of them are chomping up a bit to try them out. So yeah, you end up writing a complex streaming program and then realizing that you can only acquire the data once a day. Well, you just wasted a whole load of time and effort on your complex streaming program. I'm hoping that you learned a lot of stuff so that when you get real streaming data, you can genuinely take advantage of it and deliver some business value. But knowing that that data is available and that the company can actually take advantage of the results that come out of the other end and change its behavior based on that result, then yeah, that's the key to really understanding that the organization as a whole is ready to start embracing real-time streaming. Wow, that's a great perspective there. And it sounds like most people focus sort of on the middle. So you've got to do both ends. One, can we even get this data? And then... The other end of it is, can we do something with it? 
Sounds like those are two very important questions to ask before you jump too deep into this. Absolutely. You know, businesses may wish to move away from this rules-based response and perhaps move more towards machine learning technologies instead. So what potential does ML really bring to real-time data streaming? Oh, no, I think this is actually really important for the second half of my previous answer, actually. It's being able to do something with it. The real challenge of data these days is that it's moving pretty fast and there's a lot of it. When you're dealing with systems which are processing hundreds of thousands of events per second, or even you know, tens of millions of events per second, we have seen processed through these kind of analytic pipelines. That is realistically not something that you're going to be able to put on a dashboard and expect a human to make a decision on. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm able to make decisions at a rate of several hundred thousand a second. No, uh, definitely but, not me. Sometimes <laughs> real time for me sometimes is daily. So there you go. Weekly is fine for my head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So being able to make those decisions, you have two options, really. Firstly, there's that kind of starting point, which a lot of people adopt early on in these systems, which is to just have a few rules in there and frankly, just, just be able to process their rules faster. And that, that can bring a lot of value before you need to delve into the complexity of machine learning, for example. But then when you get to a point of wanting to be more sophisticated, more fine-grained, provide a better experience to customers or apply things like autonomous anomaly detection algorithms to Internet of Things type feeds or to, I don't know, uh, telco network quality feeds, those kind of things, and automatically respond out of that, then you need to be able to respond in machine time. And that's where a lot of the ML algorithms really come into their own. So having a combination of uh, rules algorithms and ML algorithms, I think, is very powerful in those kind of scenarios because it lets you respond intelligently or at least pseudo-intelligently to the incoming data in a timely manner that yeah, the human operator won't be able to do. What I would say, though, is when you are using things like machine learning algorithms, you need to be even more aware of the quality of the data that you're putting into learning in those algorithms because, yeah, they tend to amplify things like bias in the algorithms and things like problems with the data get amplified by machine learning. So often you want to combine it with at least some kind of guardrails or some sort of rule set beyond the machine learning to make sure you are within the bounds of reason if you're going to be making these decisions or if the machine is going to be making these decisions on behalf of your business. Sure. So um, real-time data streaming with ML on the on it as well. You make all these decisions really quickly. You got to make sure that they're within the realm of the kinds of decisions you want to be making and get the results that your enterprise is representing. So, you know, you bring this up and you bring up this idea of kind of compliance and governance. So what kind of considerations do businesses need to make there when they think about compliance and governance within this type of process. Why, well, that's a huge topic, of course. Compliance and governance is uh, spread across a variety of different angles, but I'd say that the most important, particularly for streaming, uh, yeah, beyond the obvious, yeah, there's things like the security of who can access what, who has access what. You have things like regulations around uh, yeah, things like GDPR and the other assorted privacy laws around the world as to who can access elements of data. That all applies to streaming data just as much as it applies to data at rest. The same concerns continue to apply. We can't get away with them just because things seem a little bit more transient. So there are those concerns as a starting point. And yeah, that's just your good basic hygiene of 
encrypt it all and make sure there are some permissions around it. But the more interesting aspect of, I think, the governance comes down to understanding that data quality that goes into things like operating the machine learning models. So understanding when you need to do things like retrain because the data has shifted or because the underlying user base has changed its behavior a little. You know, that kind of data quality level governance to understand what your models are doing, how they interact with the pipeline as well is absolutely critical. So it's not just understanding what the people are doing and what the developers are doing with your data streams. It's also about understanding what the machines are doing with the data and you know, what's happened to the data itself. Is it still healthy? Is the quality still up to scratch for what you're asking it to do? Have you seen a lot of traditional data management groups at these enterprises struggle with this new explosion of real-time data and applying their existing data governance rules to these new sources? Well, it's interesting. There is a little bit of a tooling gap, arguably, but as well as the philosophical gap around this, because you know, a lot of data quality type tools, you know, things like profiling of data quality become very, very useful in these kind of environments. But uh, in all honesty, a lot of the people who are starting out with streaming technologies haven't got as far as to putting those tools onto these environments, uh, which I think is partly a challenge with actually succeeding in these kind of projects. Yeah, there's an elevated expectation from things like machine learning which is very dependent on getting these pieces in place first. So, yeah, it may not uh, data quality may not always be the sexiest of topics, but it is an absolutely crucial starting point for the more elaborate analytics that you need. So, a number of people have struggled to really understand that. So, I think it's important to start with at least half an eye on that governance piece and on understanding the basic issues of data quality. When you add in streaming, of course, you, know, you tend to be much closer to the raw level of the data than you would traditionally be as a business intelligence user or as an you know, analytical developer, for example, as well. So you need to be just that little bit more aware of that. So we're almost out of time here, but I would love you to share kind of some last thoughts on helping people understand the potential of real-time streaming, what advice would you give them to help kind of broaden their perspective around the value of real-time streaming? So I think there's huge value in it. For the people who are doing it right, they're able to provide responses faster to their customers. They're able to grow their businesses significantly, actually generate new products, new revenue sources for people like manufacturing users. They're able to run much more effective predictive analytics, for example, for failure prevention. For people in things like gaming, even, is a wonderful use case where they're using advanced stateful analytics to be able to dynamically change how difficult things are and optimize their revenue streams based on their player experience, based on real-time events from you know, every interaction that people have on their mobile phone, for example. These kind of traditional clickstream analytics techniques applied to things like websites as well become yeah, that much more powerful if you can build them directly into the experience that a user is having while they are still on your site, rather than just being a retrospective thing that then feeds into a design process or into an A-B testing scenario that may deliver value in a few months. So it's really about being able to deliver that more personalized, more immediate, real-time response and keep your customers engaged. And I think that's where people have been most successful in these. Of course, on the systems and uh, yeah, the 
less people-centric angle, you might say, faster response to things like cybersecurity attacks, faster responses to maintenance events or to things like sensor readings in the field, in the factory, on the road, for example, those are already delivering a lot of value, both in terms of cost reduction, risk reduction, but also in allowing people to create new revenue streams and new interactions from customers as well. Well, it sounds like being able to just continue to develop and improve and engaging customer experience at scale is pretty much nirvana for a lot of organizations. So real-time streaming looks like something that a lot of folks need to be looking into if they aren't already. Thanks again to Simon for his thoughts. Join us for the next episode when we look at what is needed to set apart a modern data warehouse pass in the cloud from the traditional warehouse solutions. Until then, this is Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, for the folks at EM360 and Cloudera. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.